0: You're listening to Valley Edition. I'm Kathleen Schock. The physical and emotional toll of treating COVID 19 patients is driving many nurses to leave the profession, which raises alarms about the state's capacity to educate the next generation of nurses to replace them. To learn more about why nursing programs are so impacted and how to fix them, I spoke with Catherine Kennedy, a registered nurse and a president of the California Nurses Association, Ashley A. Smith, a reporter with EdSource, and Keisha Lewis-Nesbitt, director of nursing at Fresno City College. Catherine Kennedy, as the president of the California Nurses Association, Could you just start off this conversation by explaining how vital nurses are and in doing so help us understand why a nursing shortage is something we really all should be concerned about?
1: Oh, absolutely, and thank you for having me. Are nurses uh, important? Absolutely, Um, and it clearly showed over the years the importance of having not only bedside nurses, but nurses in public health as well as other areas. And they are important because, you know, even years ago when I first started, we didn't have the nurse-to-patient ratios. And so it was difficult, albeit, you know, patients were not as sick as they are today. And back then, before we had nurse-to-patient ratios, nurses were leaving because of the conditions in the hospital. What COVID showed us is that the conditions were terrible in the hospital because the employers were not prepared for this pandemic. And we didn't know, this was a novel virus. And so as a result of that, you know, nurses began to say, you know, I can't take this anymore and they're leaving. So, you know, there were shortages back in the day, back in the 80s before we had nurse to patient ratios and they were talking about shortages. But once we got the ratios in, nurses came back. Here we are with COVID, you know, again, this is a pandemic that has not gone away. Nurses are retiring and leaving the profession. And is there a shortage? Yeah, but I, I, we really think that it's the employers have caused this shortage. One, because they are constantly keeping us short-staffed in the hospital, canceling traveler contracts at one point, not really hiring. Um, so that's all been brought to their attention.
0: For those listening who are, you know, not familiar with how the system works, can you explain what travelers are?
1: Sure, absolutely. These are nurses who get an assignment. They're contracted, so they're these are nurses that are outsourced. They could be within the state, um, like in California, or they could be from out of state. It has the appearance of being very luxurious that you travel, see the world, um, but. These particular nurses, when they are experienced, they come into a state um, and provide um, a supply of nurses for a hospital that may be extremely short. Here's the problem. If employers would invest and train nurses within their own state, there wouldn't be a need to have travel nurses. These are nurses that are coming from maybe another state where the pay is not as lucrative as it is in, say, California, um, where we have a lot of unionized hospitals. So it is a concern. Does it meet the needs when when you're desperate and you want to take anybody that is competent and has the skills? Yes. But as far as my organization, CNA, we really are pushing the employers to invest and put the money up front for these nursing students that are graduating, that can't find jobs, and we used to have those programs, and, and so we are constantly telling the employers, invest in nurses, provide the education and training, and get rid of this so-called shortage because there, is, there are nurses out there. They just can't find jobs, and, and employers aren't willing to train new grads.
0: Well let's let's get into the education side of it. Ashley Smith, in your reporting for EdSource, you looked at nursing programs at California's community colleges and you know what you found is that there are long wait lists to get into these programs. So, you know, intuitively it would be easy to think we'll just expand the programs and admit more students, but it's not that simple. Can you explain how that works?
2: Sure, Kathleen. So, essentially there's two bottlenecks that I can see happening with the uh, flow of students moving into nursing programs and moving out of them at the uh, community colleges and at the university level. So there's no shortage of people who are interested in the nursing field. There was a report from the American Association of Colleges of Nursing earlier this year that found that just at the bachelor's level, more than 80,000 applicants were turned away. I talked to uh, one community college uh, in Northern California, uh, College of the Redwoods. It's it's a small institution, but they get about 200 applicants for possibly 40 spots. And every year they, they have to wait list students. So there are a lot of people who are interested in the nursing field, but actually having the capacity to serve those students is the problem here. The issue at the college level, at at the community colleges and and at the universities is there's multiple problems. We're talking about not enough instructors who can teach in these programs. Um, A lot of that is due to sort of the, the salary levels. And because of that, there's, faculty fatigue, there's um, exhaustion on those instructors who are teaching to the point where they, they can't offer uh, more classes. Um, there's also this issue with clinicals, uh, which is where students get their hands-on training. They go into essentially clinics and hospital settings and they get that direct instruction from the working nurses, from, from those that are working in hospitals and clinical settings And that is required to graduate and to get your license. Unfortunately, especially during the pandemic, we saw the number of clinical spaces reduced. It made a lot of sense last year, obviously, because hospitals wanted to limit the number of people who were coming into those environments because of COVID. But it also meant that we saw fewer students moving through the pipeline. So essentially, you have these these two stopgaps. One is a capacity issue at the very beginning. And so we are limiting access for those people who want to enter the nursing profession at the very beginning. And then we have another stopgap where there may not be enough clinical space available for them to actually complete licensing
0: requirements. So Keisha Lewis-Nesbitt, you are the director of the nursing program at Fresno City College. Is what Ashley just described something that you're experiencing?
3: Yes, I would agree definitely with Ashley and also with my colleague prior that what we experience here is the same that everyone else is experienced. However, we are the largest program. We actually, as of today, have 464 students, and each year we graduate out about 220. So as far as the faculty staffing, we pretty much have what we need as far as faculty, but this is what is happening. In the next couple of years, we will have several instructors retiring out, so that means that we need to get that same amount of instructors into our program to keep the program going. Definitely, being that this is a Central Valley, there just is not a lot of clinical opportunities which students need to graduate. In our program, we, last year, we received 1,100 applicants for 220 spots. And so, even if we wanted to expand, we couldn't because we would not have enough faculty. A, B, the clinical opportunities that are here in the Central Valley and even all over, it's just not another space. And we're constantly, you know, trying to find assignments, trying to get creative, going outside the clinical aspect, which most people know as hospitals, but we do get creative. We did get a contract with like Fresno Unified School District. They were in the need that can cover us for PEDs in some areas. So like Ashley mentioned, there's just a bottleneck in a couple of areas and then most definitely the pay. I did notice, however, that we did get a couple of instructors from our Valley Children here in um, Fresno, and they were just tired. So money wasn't their driving force. They just wanted to do something different, a little less stressful. And then our other colleagues mentioned, you know, the hospitals are getting into bidding wars with mm-hmm. staff and travelers. I mean, you're sitting next to a person that's making three times as, much as you are and you're doing the same work and then hospitals are not incentivizing their own staff or giving them bonuses but they're requiring them to do the exact same work at the exact same pace and just have a difficult time so that becomes a issue as well so those several things that both the ladies mentioned i would definitely agree with but also more importantly there will be a lot of our instructors across the world that are just, you know, tenuring out or retiring out. And that's going to be something that we need to address and have been addressing and will continue to address.
0: Catherine Kennedy, as the president of the California Nurses Association, did you want to follow up on that?
1: Let me just say this. One of the other things that I've done for the last seven years, um, even though the commission has been dismantled and has a new name I was one of the commissioners for the California Healthcare Workforce Policy Commission. And so, part of Song Brown Training Act, we looked at not only the medical residency programs, but also RN, pre licensed RN programs. And so, we were actually funding RN programs throughout the state of California. And for many, many years, and Keisha, you probably know this, the only amount of money that pre licensed RN Funding programs received was um, a total of 2.75 million dollars annually from, you know, the Song Brown from the state, whereas the medical residency program was getting over 33 million annually. Well, Governor Newsom, uh, since there was a surplus, we got an additional 10 million dollars for pre-licensed RN programs. So. I'm optimistic that that's going to help not only the community college, but the state and universities throughout the state of California. And, you know, I mean, I've been a frontline staff nurse for all these years, and, you know, you see those peaks and valleys. And absolutely, people retire. And so it is about making sure that people that are interested in the field of nursing, whether that's becoming a registered nurse and and working on the frontline versus academia. I mean it is so important that we support our own Californians and so that we can put them into the areas, you know, once they graduate that they have that pipeline right into the hospital or administration or whatever the case may be. So, you know, so there is money there. Is a yeah, we we want more, but you know, 10 million is wonderful. So, hopefully that will help. Fingers crossed.
0: So Ashley Smith, and you're reporting for EdSource, you've been ta- keeping track of what's happening at the state level. You know, what are you hearing about about um, allocating more funding for uh, nursing programs?
2: That's exactly what the, the colleges and the universities would like to see happen. Actually, one solution that I know the chancellor's office um, has posed to the state has been offering incentives to the hospitals. Um, so that they can provide more clinical rotations to colleges and universities. So essentially, they would open up more space to, to clear that bottleneck once you're in a nursing program so you can you meet the requirements for getting your license. I mean, more, more money would be helpful. I mean, there's been a number of reports made to the legislature, to the governor's office, just pointing out that we do have a problem here and that more resources would, would help. Um, if they had an ability to possibly change some policies at the college level when it comes to offering higher salaries, that would be helpful. Um, I have heard that some colleges have spots open for instructors and they are struggling to get applicants. And, and you know, I, I do I do agree that uh, with, with Keisha that it there is. Fatigue, obviously, there, there is a lot of fatigue for those that are in the profession and then asking them to also, you know, come into a college setting and teach um, could possibly be too much. And perhaps that's where, you know, having the possibility of, of offering more money, uh, higher salaries could be used to recruit those registered nurses into the colleges. So there's a number of ideas that are out there, but I haven't seen a lot of movement on them.
0: So before we wrap up, I'd be really curious to hear from both uh, Catherine and Keisha about what you think the future of nursing looks like coming out of this pandemic. What will be the lasting legacy of COVID-19 on the nursing profession? Um, Keisha, we'll start with you.
3: Um, Thank you. Yes, I think that out of this pandemic, I believe that more people will even be drawn to nursing because people were able to see us in a different light. I know people always tend to think of the frontline nurse being the hospital nurse, but then there's also been a lot of fatigue on administrative staff on all levels, management, supervisory, even chief level, stress levels. So I, I think with that, that while everyone was at home and watching the world unfold, They saw the nurses stepping up in all capacities, because even though we have the front line, we still have the back line staff that I will call that had also worked early mornings, late nights, weekends, just to make sure that, you know, everything went accordingly and staff had what they needed. And, you know, it was just a tough time for everybody. I mean, there were people walking out and, you know, and there were people stepping in, but... The salaries have to be addressed because I'm going to honestly say that when I've had conversations trying to recruit instructors, even if they do it part-time, they're saying, you know, I can go work at the hospital one shift versus working three days at a college as an instructor. So it's like, okay, we have all these funds, but where do we put our money at? Where do we really you know, identify where the issues are. So we have to definitely address salary because a lot of people would love to go into instructing. I mean it's very passionate, it's very rewarding. You can um see your students go from A to B. But I do see a lot of people still wanting to go into nursing. I think the world shined a huge light on us over the years. And I see it progressing. I see it getting better. I see that um people are able to see that we may have not been being treated fairly over the years and something needs to be done and something needs to be done immediately. So I, I see positive changes, but again it has to be on a um, political level and within our organizations and state level.
0: Ashley, so did I you want to follow want, up on
2: that? Yes, I, I did. I just wanted to piggyback off of what Keisha was saying because there's already projections that, we're going to see like record-breaking interest in the nursing profession, and so the educational enrollments are actually expected to like surpass pre-pandemic levels. So, there's I just want to say that there's there continues to be huge interest um, in the nursing field, especially I think because of the pandemic, where there almost appears to it's a very respected profession to begin with, but there almost seems to be a heightened level. Of uh, respect and awareness for, and, and not just nursing, but I'll say for all of allied health and and medical fields and and professions that we're just seeing uh, far more interest in moving into that area, and that's only expected to grow over the next few years. So that's great when you consider the shortages that we're looking at, but we really have to solve some of these barriers and issues to get to actually
1: getting these potential students, these future students into the profession. I would agree with that. This is Kathy, you know, because really it is about the employers really investing in these new graduate nurses. I mean, this is for the hospital side. And it's been proven that if employers spend the money up front and many years ago, it was like $125,000 per new grad. You get somebody that is not only loyal to the health system, you know, I worked for Kaiser, been there for 40, 40 years. And I, as a new grad, I didn't work for Kaiser then because they wanted experienced nurses. But but once I got into Kaiser, um, and this is other systems, they, at, many years ago, put that money up front and began to train new graduates. And the the end result was that you had a, a loyal employee That stayed with the system for many years. So, you know, we are really, our organization is really talking to employers to say, invest in these new nursing graduates and making sure, you know, because that you will keep that going as far as the supply of nurses in the hospital. But the other thing that our organization is really emphasizing is that we need to invest in our communities the lack of having school nurses in our schools, the fact that the issue of mental health for our children and other people, I mean, there are so many ways that we can utilize nurses. But again, we've also got to think about academia and retiring um, professors there and increasing their salaries. But there, you know, I'm we are hopeful. Um, like I said, we've been there before when there was supposedly a shortage back in the 80s when we didn't have ratios. And there are nurses that once we got the ratios in place, they came back. They came back.
0: I've been talking with Katherine Kennedy with the California Nurses Association, Ashley Smith with EdSource, and Keisha Lewis-Nesbitt with Fresno City College. Thank you all so much for being on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. Thank you.